Hey, Citywide Church. This is AJ Figueroa, your creative director here at Citywide. I pray and hope your week has started off great. We want to thank you for tuning in this week to our podcast. It's been a long time coming, but we're living in the faithfulness of God, and Citywide Church is proud to call the Klein Memorial Auditorium its new home. We're starting a new series called Heart for the House. For the next couple of weeks, Pastor Louis Burgos will be speaking on how to develop a heart for what God is doing in this house for the city. We believe in God for great things. We believe in God to be faithful and true to his word, not just for this house or our city, but for your lives as well. Be encouraged and stay blessed. Is anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? We want to welcome all of our visitors, your first time here at Citywide, or maybe you're just a, a frequent flyer. We welcome you. We love you. Um, to all of Aston and Ruthie's friends that are here today, we love you too. We thank you for coming out to fellowship with, fellowship with us this morning. I'm excited because I know the things that God continues to do, not just in my life, it's so unimportant, but yet in the life of the church. And I don't know about you, but I know that the more Satan comes against my personal life and me as a person, it's because the greater thing that God wants to reveal to us as a church, as a, as a ministry. And I don't know about you, but every time I've ever crossed into a place that God promised me, I've been hit with all types of things in my life. But here's the truth that prevails, that God is greater. John 16, one of my favorite scriptures is Jesus says, in this world, he says to his disciples, you will have trouble. I love the fact that I serve a God who keeps it real. I love the fact that I serve a God and, and a master who knows my hardships. He's been touched by our infirmities, the book of Hebrews says. And I love the fact that I can get before him and Jesus said, I told you, son, you're going to have troubles. In this world, you're going to have troubles. But he follows it up with a promise. He says, but take heart. One version says, be courageous. Don't fear, for I have overcome the world. All right, I'm going to go back a couple seconds here. We're going to pretend the last 10 seconds never happened. All right. And then Jesus said, he, gave, he followed up with a promise. And the promise is that take heart. We're getting better. Because I've already overcome the world. And to some of y'all, you still don't get it. And what that means is that when you're in Christ, you've already overcome what you are facing. You just haven't got to the realization yet that you've overcome. And you haven't lived in the freedom that Christ offers. And as, as a church for the last seven years, we've been overcoming obstacle after obstacle. And so we're on this series as we've transitioned to decline from the high school. We're, we're in this series, Heart for the House. And what does it mean to have a heart for the house? And we've, we've had three weeks now of Heart for the House. And the first week, we talked about how, how, how John 21, 6, we're, we're going to cast our net onto the right side. We were on the left side of the street, and Jesus told the disciples, cast the net onto the right side. And, and we know in the Jewish faith, the right side is the place of promise provision and healing. The Bible talks about God's mighty right hand and strength that comes from his right arm. It's a, it's a picture of God's strength. And we, we believe we're walking in God's promises of the church say amen. We believe we're walking in the faithfulness of God. And then in week two, we talked about holiness, having a heart for the house. Because we have a heart for the house, we live clean in a dirty world. We live clean and pure because holiness is not contagious, but sin, it is. 
And sin will contaminate your whole church, your whole life. And, and we learn in, in Haggai chapter 2 that defiled hands will limit the harvest that God has for our church. And so we got to stay righteous and stay holy before God. And the church said, and then last week, one of my favorites, we talked about there's still room in the house of God. The great banquet, the parable Jesus told of the man who had a banquet. And, and in this banquet, the, the people who, who he invited rejected him. And he sent out his, 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 his servants to get the blind, the poor, the lame, and the mute, and the crippled, and all those who, who no one would accept. And he accepted them in. And then when the servants had done that, they came back to their master and said, Master, there's still room. And all week long has been resonating in my spirit there's still room in the house of God. The power of an empty chair. When is a chair more than a chair, church? It's when it's an opportunity for someone to meet Christ. It's an opportunity for someone to meet Christ. And today I want to talk to you about the passion for the house. Passion for the house of God. And I'll read this scripture with you, and then we're going to pray. And it's in, it's in 1 Chronicles chapter 22. 1 Chronicles 22, verses 5 to 7, and we're going to read about one of my favorite people in the Bible, David. Quick excerpt, and then we're going to go from there, and we'll read some other scriptures along the way. Passion for God's house. What does that mean, passion for God's house? 1 Chronicles, Chronicles excuse me, 22, verses 5 and 7. And David said, My son Solomon is still young and inexperienced. And since the temple to be built for the Lord must be a magnificent structure, famous and glorious throughout the world, I will begin making preparation for it now. And so David collected vast amounts of building materials before his death. Come on, bow your heads right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is already blessed. Your word is already true. Your word is already great. Father, may your spirit rise up in me as I preach your word. May I decrease, may you increase. Hide me behind your cross, Father, we pray in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. David is the king of all of Israel. David is one of my favorite characters in all of Scripture. David is an interesting person that he rose from obscurity. He came from being almost a nobody, a little boy in the field of his father, being a shepherd, and he rose to be one of Israel's greatest kings ever. His rise to prominence came when he fought the giant named Goliath in a battle and he killed him at about the age of maybe 12 or 13, most scholars believe. He faced this great Giant, And then through a couple of years and many circumstances, David became the king of all of Israel. And David was one of the greatest, if not known as the greatest Jewish king to ever live. And David is recorded to have been in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, a man after God's own heart. I don't know about you. I want to be known as a man after God's heart. Maybe you want to be known as a woman after God's heart. You want to be known as someone who loved the Lord. If I asked your neighbor what you were about, would God be in that conversation? I want people to know, man, he was an awesome man of God, not because of what he preached, not because of what he did on the platform, but because of the life he lived outside the church. He was a man of God. If you wanted someone to talk about you, will that be your story? And David is that story. And the beautiful thing about David is it is not because David was perfect. 
It is not because David had nothing wrong with him. David had many things wrong with him. Somebody say amen. That's where you can say there's many things wrong with me. But what matters is in the end when they say I was a man after God's heart. Was I a man who pursued the Lord? And we know that David was a man who committed adultery with Bathsheba, then murdered her husband. We know David was a man who had a problem with lust and a problem with, with, with sexual things because when David died, the Bible says they put a virgin into his bed, and when they did not, he did not touch her, they said, oh, the king is dead. That's when you know you got a problem. If they're going to test you if you're dead or not by a woman. David was a man who had what we might call proclivities. But David was after God's heart. And you read the Psalms, and David penned many beautiful Psalms, and in his Psalms, maybe 51, he would cry out to God and say, God, don't reject me because of my sin. Surely you knew I was sinful from my mother's womb. And David would cry out to God with great songs of repentance, and he would go before the Lord, and he would sing his praises. And, and David was known as a mighty worshiper. And we see in this passage of Scripture that David has a desire to build the house of God. David, in First Chronicles 28, says this, And David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house for the Lord that where the Ark of the Covenant could arrest and where it could be the footstool of Jehovah. Did you hear that? I had it in my, somebody say, heart. To build the house. He had it in his heart to be a builder of the house of God. David was so passionate about building this temple. Psalm 69.9, he declares that zeal for the house of God consumes him. Meaning passion for God's house, a holy jealousy for God's house consumes him. He wanted nothing more than to build the house of God. We read in Psalms 132 that David is so moved by the fact that he wants to build this house. He says to the Lord, I will not sleep in my bed when the Lord does not have a house that I have built for him. Could you imagine being so moved that your church don't have a building yet that you say, I'm just going to sleep on the sofa until we get a building. Nobody caught that vision. <laughs> Everyone said, I don't know about that, Pastor. This is crazy. But that's passion for God's house that David had. He said, I won't even sleep in my bed till it comes. And we see in 2 Samuel 7, 2, where David goes before the prophet Nathan, and he feels so guilty, and he says, how can I have a house made of cedar, but the Lord's ark is in a tent? Could you see this picture that David had a passion for God's house? And David had a glorious desire to build the house of God. And from this desire rose an issue. And the issue was that God did not want David to build the house. And, and the reason was, if you read down a little further in 1 Chronicles 22, David had too much blood on his hands. David was a great warrior king. David had killed so many people in battle, and he had also committed almost the murder of Uzziah, or rather, um, I can't remember his name now, but Bathsheba's husband. She, she had, he had got him murdered, and so God's like, you got blood on your hands, David. You can't build my house. 
You can't do it. And David didn't lose interest. David began to make preparations for the house of God. And here's why. You see it right in the scripture. He says, because the house of the Lord has to be magnificent, famous, and glorious. Here's my first point. You know, I got three points for you. Having a heart for the house meaning, means to have a heart for the purpose of God. Having a heart for the house means that you have a heart for the purposes of God. David knew what would happen in the temple. He knew what would happen in the house of God. The temple would be, would be the epicenter of the faith of the entire Jewish nation. He understood that if he built the house, they would come from far to worship at the house. He knew that if he built it, they would come. He understood that if you build the house of God, you build the purpose of God. For in the house of God is where they did the sacrifices for forgiveness of sins, redemption, and all types of things. He understood that if you build the house, you build the purpose of God. And although God did not want him to build the house, he did not get mad. He kept on fulfilling the purpose of God. There might be some things that you have in your heart to do, and God says, you're not the one to do it. Will you walk away from him, or will you help somebody else build it? The purposes of God. Do you have a heart for the purpose of God? David was a man after God's heart, and he was a man after God's purpose. In his heart, he wanted to build the house, but all he could do was prepare his son Solomon to build the house. Don't you realize that that the church of God has been made to be the house of God? Do you realize that? Jesus talks about the house. He talks about how the church is going to be a city on a hill. David knew the house would be famous. Do I have a moment to tell you how the church of God, not citywide, but church of God, should be famous throughout the world? How we should be a place of healing, a place of redemption, a place of salvation, a place of restoration in the house of God. The house of God should be a shining beacon of hope for all the world who are lost and and have no hope in themselves. The house of God should be famous. Is it in your heart to bring glory to the house of God? Is it in your heart to raise up the house of God, to make your life a a vessel that pours out into the purposes of the house of God? Jesus built the house of God in such a way, the church, that he said, I built the church so the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. Don't you understand that this thing is supposed to be powerful and effective? You are the head and not the tail. He's called you to be the leader in culture, not to be the follower. He's called you to be a shining light in the world. Here's what God has not called you to do. He's not called you to occupy a seat and feed yourself every Sunday. This is not... This is not consumer church where we come and consume but never produce. God's called us to be producers of the kingdom of heaven. Do you have a heart for the purposes of God? Many of us try to fit God inside of our purpose. Just like the packager of this water, they, they, they began to they make this little bottle and they fill it with water. And that's the purpose of the bottle is that you might, you try to fit God into your purpose rather than realize God wants you to empty out that he can put his purpose inside of you. I've searched from Genesis to Revelation and here's what I found out. I am not the main character. This is, this is life altering. 
I went from Genesis to, I looked for Lewis, it wasn't there. I found Philip, but I didn't want that. I, I looked everywhere. I'm just an extra in the story of Christ. But this is about him. Why? Why do you wake up in the morning? It's to bring God glory, to bring the house of God fame, to bring the house of God magnificence. Solomon would go on to build a mighty house for God. It would be known throughout the whole world. The queen of Sheba came to see it, and she was so moved. The Bible says it took her spirit from her. Couldn't even breathe. The house of God. When people see you, the church, does it take their breath away how your life has changed? Does it move people to see what God's doing in your life? Or are you living exactly the same but just now with the, with the rapper that says, saved? If, if, I, if, if I took and, and I filled this with Coca-Cola, it don't make it a Coca-Cola bottle. It just makes it Coca-Cola inside of a Poland Spring bottle. If I change the wrapper to say Coca-Cola and there's water inside, it's not a Coke in there. Are you following me? The wrapper doesn't determine what's inside. The person who fills it does. What are you filling your life with? I'm over here preaching about water now. What are you filling your life with? Are you being a magnificent example of the church? David had a passion to build the house of God. I thank God for the volunteers we have every Sunday morning. That was a great opportunity to be like, amen. I'm going to rewind again. Three seconds this time. I thank God for the volunteers that build this church every Sunday morning. You know, right now, right now, there's, there's guys controlling lights, guys controlling sound. There's, there's people controlling kids in the back. People controlling kids downstairs, kids upstairs, kids everywhere. That you might be able to come to the house of God. There's people in the parking lot making sure things are secure. There's, uh, there's a guy who I told the midway through the service, he better check the AC in the kids' room because last week it turned off. There's people building the house of God who would come here and set up tables and sound systems and things. Why? Because passion for God's house consumes them. Do you have a heart for the house of God? Because if you did, you have a heart for the purpose of God that is for the house. What is the purpose of God for the house? The house we speak of now is the body of Christ, the church, the church. The purpose of the church is to make disciples, is to win the lost, to be a city on a hill. Are you here with me today, church? Do you, do you see what I'm saying to you? That God is calling you to have a passion for the house of God, for building the house of the Lord. Don't be here to just take and never give, but be a producer of the house of God. And David said, zeal, Psalm 69.9, zeal, passion for your house, it consumes me. It overtakes me. It overwhelms me. That's how much he loved God's house. 
And as he moves on, he goes on and says, my son Solomon, he's really inexperienced. He's young. And so now he begins to have vision. He begins to have foresight into the future. And he sees that because this house is going to be so magnificent and so great, he has to begin to make preparations to build the house of God. You know what the preparation I have every week? I prepare my sermons for hours and hours and hours. And I prepare my heart and I prepare things at church. And, and what do you prepare for people to see God in you? What do you prepare to be the house of God? And as you go forward, I want you to, here's my second point. Listen to this. Did you not realize that the house of God is God's plan A and there is no B? Do you realize the society that we live in? Can, can I just be bold today? Why, are, why is the church surprised that we legalize same-sex marriage? Why is the church surprised that we've killed over 55 million babies in abortion? Why is the church surprised that we sit there and call a man dressing like a woman courageous? Why is the, I, I went there. Why is the church surprised that we're doing the world, is doing all these ungodly things? Why are you surprised that the world is being the world? You should be surprised that you did not stand up and march against it. You should be surprised that you don't go in front of the abortion clinics every Thursday when they start killing babies in Bridgeport. That's what you should be surprised about. Because God called the church to be his plan against sin and darkness and things in this world that don't please him. And if it goes on, it's because good people and godly men did nothing. I saw an interview of an atheist who stood before in an interview and he said to this man, the question was, what would you do if you saw God? He said, I'd look at him and I'd say to him, how dare you? How dare you create a world where children die? How dare you create a world with disease? How dare you? And he went on to say all these things. But, you know, I couldn't help but think to myself, I wonder if we killed the cure to cancer and AIDS in one of the babies we aborted. I can't help but think to myself, if God was there with that man, he would say to him, what are you doing about world hunger? What are you doing about, about the kids who are being beaten and abused and abandoned? What are you doing? Because anybody can be a problem pointer. Anybody can do that. But it takes a real person to be a problem solver. And here's what I want to challenge you with, is that God created the church to be the problem solver of society. That's why when you come to Christ, addictions are broken. When you come to Christ, all manner of ungodly things are broken in your life. That's why Christ overcame some things for you. You are God. Could you look to somebody next to you and tell them, you're God's plan A. Do you realize? And there's no plan B. There's nothing else coming. And here's what the church has done now. Now we just sit back and say, oh, Jesus, it's getting so bad. I hope you come soon. No. I hope you wait a little bit so I can fill the church up. I hope you wait a little longer that souls could be saved, Lord. That the church can fulfill the purpose we were created for. No, Jesus, don't come yet because if you did, so many would get left behind. So many are asleep. Wait, Jesus. It's the righteous that stand in between God and his judgment. Just ask Sodom and Gomorrah. The moment the righteous left, boom. Are you here with me, church? Don't resort to that place where you're just saying, oh, Jesus, come. No, no. Save your families and call out to your neighbors. As he said last week, go to the highways and the byways and compel them to come to the house of the Lord. For in the house of the Lord, there is salvation.
In the house of the Lord, there's healing. In the house of the Lord, there's, there's identity as to who we are. Church, I wish you would understand. I wish you would understand that you are God's plan A. But the trick and the trap and the ploy of Satan is to consume your life with so many things and so many problems that you fail to look out toward the world and see that all that is going on. This, this bothers me. Why did we make a bigger issue on social media about same-sex marriage than four Marines who got killed in Tennessee? What is wrong with us that I saw more about an ESPY award for, for Bruce Jenner than we did about a terrorist attack on our country? Can we be real for the next few seconds and, and there is something so morally wrong with the fact that we're okay with a terrorist attack on our soil, but we want to talk about gay marriage on Facebook. And then you say, and then you say, well, things are getting so bad. And God's going to say to us, why did we let it get this bad? This is, this, I'm, I'm going to break this down to real simple terms. If I don't do dishes at my house or my wife don't do dishes at my house, dishes are going to pile up. You know, the other day, my mother-in-law came by my house and made this amazing shrimp soup. None you can have because it's all mine. Amen. And then I made some mofongo with her. She had me do it all. I made the mofongo, and it was great. I want to let y'all know. And I had shrimp with mofongo, but the problem was is that I had a bunch of shrimp tails in my trash can, and I did not take it out in time, and I woke up the next morning, and it stunk. And that's what happens when you leave trash lying around. It begins to stink. And here's the thing. Don't clap yet, because here's the thing. Is that sometimes you're so used to the stink, it takes you to leave your house and to come back to realize, oh my God, what is that smell? My wife got this thing, and it's, it's pretty funny because we're on polar opposite of the spectrums here. She's frying pork chops, let's say, and she's going around closing all the doors because she don't want the baby's rooms to smell like pork chops. And she don't want the bedroom. I'm just like, it smells great. Just let it. Like, this is... This is going to be awesome. Let's have the whole house smelling like a chuleta. Come on. I'm all about that. I'll sleep better if my pillow smells like fried pork chops and rice and beans. Honey, trust me, I know. But it's not as good of a smell the next morning. It's, I'll leave and I'll come back home from work and I'm like, it smells like yesterday's pork chops. You know what I'm talking about. All your house smell like something right now. And it probably ain't for breeze. And then summer is worse unless you have like really good air conditioning, stenches just get worse. Church, what am I saying? I'm saying that if us as a church, we can control what happens in our city. And if we allow things to happen in our state, in our cities, you might be from Stratford, Bridgeport, we got folks from all over, wherever you're from, if you don't control it, if you don't stand up against it, let me tell you something, darkness will win. Unless you stand against it and you stand for righteousness. And that doesn't make you a bigot. doesn't make you a homophobe. It makes you a believer in Christ Jesus. We love everybody. Why? 
Are we not living to the standard of God's plan A? I know I probably offended half of you, and that's okay, because I'd rather offend your flesh than such, see your spirits and souls go to hell. I'd rather do that. I'm okay with that. I thought about that before I said it, and the Lord said, just say it. Amen. Church, your plan A, there is no plan B. This is not like your job where there's a second shift coming in so you can leave some work. <laughs> no. Somebody got convicted over there, somewhere over there. <laughs> I used to work in the photo lab, and, and I would work the morning shift, and someone would come in at night. I would leave like mad rolls of film on the tree to do, there's a second shift coming in, this is fine. I bought mad time. No, we don't have time. I'm going to say something real old school, because Jesus is coming. He is. It's just the inevitable truth. And it's our job to make sure when he comes, he comes to a full house. Can, can I challenge you? Can I just challenge you? You are God's. Can you leave here empowered that you are God's plan to fight darkness? That you are God's plan to fight evil? That you are God's plan to fight injustice? That you are God's plan. That you are not God's plan just to fill yourself with spiritual things and be close to God. Why are you so close to God that you can't even do nothing for God? Sometimes I feel like God's like, get away, go do something, just go. <laughs> I just want to stay at the feet of Jesus, but does he want you there? <laughs> That's a joke. I'm just kidding. That's not theologically sound. You know, God wants us to be producers. Ephesians 2.10, it says that he created, he prepared good works for us to do. And when did he create these good works? Before he laid down the foundations of the earth. Which tells me something, stop, wait, wait, hold the presses. If Jesus or God prepared these works for me to do before he laid down the foundations of the earth, it tells me that it was pretty serious. He was really serious about me doing this stuff if he made the works before he made the world. He was really serious about it. He's really serious about maybe some of you being advocates for abused children. Nothing breaks my heart more as a father now to see children abused. I can't watch those videos where people put on Facebook or social media of a baby being slammed by a person or something like that or a kid being beat up by another kid. That happened to my kid. We're going to have to start a jail ministry. All the parents are like, I know what you mean. It breaks, it literally, I can't watch it because it hurts my heart so much. Hurts my heart so much. I won't even let my daughter fall. Half no, 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 I got you. Maybe God's calling you to be an advocate for children. Maybe God's calling you to stand and be the voice of the unborn. Watch that Planned Parenthood video that's viral on Facebook right now of them selling baby parts. Man, may God forgive us. May God forgive us. But are you being God's plan A? Here's my last point, one last point. I'm sorry, Stephen, I'm running a little late here. Here's my last point. Stephen's like, keep on track, Pastor, keep on track. Don't be okay living in the preparation of others. Let me explain that. David made great preparation 
for Solomon. And this preparation, in theory, made Solomon an extremely rich king. Besides the fact that he had wisdom beyond measure and he was going to be rich by himself, this made him rich. They got wood from everywhere, the best kind of wood, gold, silver. David made all the prepper. David got everything. Imagine your father coming to you and saying, I got everything you need, all the money to buy a house. Just go buy it. Solomon had everything he needed, but Solomon was not just okay with living in the preparation dad made. He instead built a house. Some of us, you're sitting, as we say, in the sacrifice of others. It, it took a lot of sacrifice to be able to sit here and enjoy a service. It took sacrifice to be able to, to negotiate contracts here. It took sacrifice in our giving. It took sacrifice in our servitude. It takes sacrifice for people who came before me, for my father to live the way he lived, to live righteous, live holy, and store up mercy for me. It was a sacrificial life my family lived back then so that I can see the glory of God now. Do you understand, church, that you are living in some Somebody else's sacrifice. When are you going to sacrifice for somebody else? God is calling us to sacrifice for the lost, the hurting, and the broken that we might go out there and we might reach them and we might be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Don't be okay with just living in the preparation of others. Don't, oh, this is so great. Oh, this is so wonderful. No, 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 no. Take it and run with it. Take the message of the gospel that's preached to you and run with it. Take the preparation of the house of God and run with it. Have a zeal for God's house, a passion for the things of God, for the purposes of God. Can I challenge you in these summer months, don't let the enemy cut in on your walk with him. One of my favorite verses when I go through tough times is Galatians 5-7, where Paul corrects the Galatian church and he says, who cut in on you? You were running a good race. Who has stopped you from believing the truth? I love that scripture because it reminds me of like me driving on the highway and somebody cutting me off. And he's like, who cut you off that you would stop believing the truth about Jesus? Could you, could you make a promise with the Lord that you will be a preparer of his house? That you won't be okay with just living in the sacrifice of others and enjoying the fruits of somebody else's vineyard, but you begin to plant your own garden. That you begin to work in your own way to see God move. And pastor, why are we doing, why should I even do this? Why, why, why? Because you are God's plan. You're not called just to your nine to five job. You're not called to cut here. You're not called to be a banker. You're not called, yes, God can use us in those forms and God will do it. He'll use us mightily, but we're called to be people who live for Jesus Christ. Put God before anything. And what he told his disciples in Matthew 28, go ye and make disciples of all nations. And just the beauty of it is, is that God will use you right where you are at. You don't need to be in ministry. We're all in ministry. And today, for some of you, the preparation you need to make, the preparation God's calling you to make, hear me now, is this, is to prepare your heart to receive him. Because maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
and you're saying to yourself, well, that sounds good, Pastor, to have a passion for God and to, and to stand up for righteousness and to stand up for all the things, but I don't even have Jesus in your heart. We can take care of that today. Maybe you're sitting here saying, well, what about all my problems? What about all my issues? Well, here's the thing. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he said, all those who are heavy burdened, who are weary and tired, he says, come to me. Come. And I'll tell you how bad you are. I'll tell you how wrong you are. You deserve everything you got. No, he didn't say that. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. And maybe today you have to have some things to lay at the feet of God. You can do that right now. Some burdens may be on your heart. You can take care of that right now. Because he's here for you. Second Peter says he cares about you. Isn't that crazy? God cares about me. He cares about you. Would you stand to your feet this early afternoon? Come on, if my prayer teams can come forward. He cares for you. He cares for you. What a beautiful promise from God. He cares for you. Come on, would you do me a favor? Would you just bow your heads across this place, auditorium? Would you just begin to honor God with your, with your submission to him? And maybe you're not a Christian today. Maybe you're not comfortable. We're just asking you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we have a moment with the Lord. Because he's here. It's inevitable to understandably that he's here. A great time of worship where God's moving on hearts. A great time where God is speaking to people. I believe even right now God is speaking to people. He's telling you what he wants you to do with your life. And there's still yet others here who don't know the Lord. Struggling with sin. Struggling with all types of burdens. And you came in here heavy burdened. You came in here worried about life with not many answers to questions you have. And that's all right, because Jesus has all the answers you're going to need. That's a promise of God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, and you know God's talking to you in one way or the other. doesn't matter what it is. If you know God is dealing with your heart, would you just gently lift your hand up? We want to pray with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, hands are going up. Thank you. If you know God's talking to you, thank you. Come on, hands are going up. Hands are going up. Thank you. If you know he's dealing with your heart, maybe you don't know him as your savior, maybe you want to get closer to God, whatever your situation may be, it will be different for every single person here. But here's the one thing, is that God is the same solution for every different problem. Come on, that's you. You're lifting your hand as high as you can. Come on, if you've got your hand up, I want you to walk down these aisles right here on the sides. And there are people here on each side waiting to pray with you. Come on, if you raise your hand, be bold in this moment and make your way forward. Be bold and say, you know what? I need that prayer. I can't do this on my own. I need to be touched and agreed with. I need Jesus in this moment. Come on, if that's you, you're coming right on down. Come on, church, put your hands together for them. They're coming on down right now in Jesus' name. That's right. Come on, come on. They're coming down in Jesus' name. He's here. He's here. Come on, let's begin to pray real quick. Let's bow our heads. The worship team's going to sing us a song as they're praying for people and ministering, and we're going to see God move in the lives of individuals. Come on, bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you, and every single person who has raised their hand, every single person who's come down, God, you're working on their hearts. You're working on their lives. Would you speak to them even deeper and more profoundly? Would you relieve every burden? Take every weight that might hold them. Everything in their life that might not please you, would you remove it, God? 
Would you show the church today that we are called to be your plan A? We are called to be the people who make a difference, to have a heart for the house of God that, like David said, passion, zeal would consume us. Father, speak to every broken heart. Speak to every broken life. Let hope rise. Let your spirit rise in us today, God. That we would seek you. Lord, bring humility where it's needed. That we would humble ourselves before you. That we would just speak to our hearts and we will speak to yours. Speak to us. Come on, would you tell them, Lord, speak to us. In Jesus' name. We want to thank you again for listening to Citywide Church's podcast. We hope you've been blessed by this sermon. If you would like to share how God may have blessed you through this message, please feel free to share your testimony on our Facebook page at Citywide Church. And while you're there, go ahead and like our page for daily updates. You can also follow us on Instagram at Citywide Church. If you would like to get more information about this ministry or to support us financially, you can visit our website at www.citywidechurch.us. We hope you tune in next week to our podcast. Thank you again, and as always, be encouraged and stay blessed.